Welcome to the High Vibes Living Podcast. I'm Jennifer Hoffman, your host, and I want to show you how to create your rich, happy, and successful life. Since 2004, I've been teaching soul-congruent, mind-expanding, wholeness living to a global audience. I'm known as the world's most accurate intuitive, the iconic energy savant, a best-selling author of eight books, the expert on energy boundaries, alignment, integration, and intention. And I'm the founder of the Becoming 360 Method of Transformation. I'm here to motivate, inspire, and energize you to embrace your full potential, upsource your possibilities, revive your life, and shine your light brightly. In this week's podcast, we're going to talk about a rather important and rather difficult topic, and that is healing. So we're going to talk about healing cycles, trauma, and filling our energy gaps. And I'm going to start the topic by introducing you to something that you probably are all familiar with, and that is the concept of soulmates. So as you know, I've been teaching about soulmates for many years. And one of the things I want to say about soulmates is that it is not always the head over heels romantic dream that so many people use to define soulmates. A soulmate is truly anyone that you have some kind of karmic interaction with. You have a healing cycle with them. You have karma with them. You have unfinished business with them. That's why when you meet a soulmate, especially the romantic kind, the attraction is so compelling. And if you've read my book, Ascending into Miracles, The Path of Spiritual Mastery, I talk about soulmates in this way, something that annoyed and irritated a lot of people because everybody says, well, I want a soulmate. I want to meet this person that I have this fabulous connection with, and we will ride off in the sunset together. We will have an amazing relationship. So you meet a soulmate, and sometimes it works out really well. Sometimes it's an utter disaster because a soulmate is someone who literally is the mirror of your soul and generally of your soul wounding. They hold the same energetic trauma pattern that you do. When you start off on this path of healing, which is part of your soul mission, every lifetime we have a soul mission of healing and our life becomes a purpose to allow that healing to occur. So if you've ever met someone and you instantly like them or you instantly dislike them, you just met a soulmate. How about when you meet someone and this has happened to me and I know what's happened to you, you instantly fall in love. It's that love at first sight moment where you just look at that person and something inside you says, oh, we're supposed to be together. Well, you are, but you have to look at the healing component of soulmate relationships first before you can enjoy the happily ever after part. We'll get to that later in this podcast. The other aspect of a healing encounter is when someone does something or says something and it throws you into a depressive funk that it takes you days or maybe weeks to get out of. These are all part of the healing cycles. And those moments of connection are important points of intersection and decision. The intersection means your karmic past just collided once again because you have to look at these relationships not only as this moment in this lifetime, but in the larger continuum of all your lifetimes. 
How many times have you been together? How many times have you met like this? And the bigger question of what unfinished business do you have together? The decision point is deciding what you're going to do next. And often that isn't even a decision. We go headfirst into that relationship, especially if it involves the falling in love part, not realizing that there is a path that we are following, which is actually a repeat of the past. This is not new. And understanding the repetitive nature of karma and of healing cycles and taking a step back and realizing I've been here before, I've known this soul before, I have encountered this particular experience is enough to make you take that pause to allow you to make a decision. And the decision is, do I move forward on the healing path? Do I go around that karma wheel again? Or do I try something different? Healing path is not about completion and closure, which is how I teach healing, unless that is a choice. It's generally an attempt to fix something, to complete unfinished business, to maybe avenge your trauma, or sometimes even to get revenge. We'll talk about that in just a minute. So when you think about healing as I'm fixing something, I'm going to make something right, this is avenging your karma. You have something to prove to yourself and to other people too. Whether that is proving that you aren't going to get destroyed, that you're going to be victorious, that you're going to somehow fix somebody else to change them, to change the trajectory of your path together. It's all about being fixed. What you do is you choose someone, and this is a very deliberate choice. There are no accidents here. You choose someone who meets the criteria of the karmic path so that you can get control over the process. So if you had a room of 100 people, you would be attracted to the one person who has that karmic history with you and who can give you that karmic experience. And then the healing cycle starts. So here's a couple of examples to show you how that works. For example, you had a father who was emotionally unavailable. No matter how much you try, you can't make that emotional connection with your father. You want to, you want him to approve of you, to show you that he loves you, to get some kind of interaction going with him. So when you become an adult, who do you choose? You find the first emotionally unavailable man that you can, and you try and create a relationship with that person. Now, again, this is a deliberate choice. You may not realize that it's only the emotionally unavailable man that you would be attracted to. And if you're a guy, it's the same thing in reverse. If you had an emotionally unavailable mother, you're going to choose a woman who is also emotionally unavailable. So you're going to get involved in that relationship and you're going to do your best to try and change that person. You're going to be extra loving, extra caring, pour extra energy into the relationship and you have an agenda. And I know that's not a pleasant word to use in the context of relationships because we like to think we all go into relationships with an open heart and all we want love and we give love and we receive love. But you have an agenda. You want to fix the relationship with your father. So you either want to change the emotionally unavailable person into an emotionally available person. 
You want to prove to yourself that an emotionally unavailable person could actually relate to you on an emotional level. And you also want to prove to yourself that it wasn't your fault, that it wasn't about you that made your father emotionally unavailable. It wasn't because you were emotionally just not likable. It was really about him. And then working on this new person that you bring in then allows you to feel like you got that complete. You fixed that. Now, this is a lot different than, again, the way I teach healing, which is about completion and closure, which is all about you, how you give yourself completion and closure. And we'll address that at the end of the podcast, how that works. But let's do another example just to give equal time and space to both parents. Say you had a mother who was emotionally unavailable, who traumatized you. Maybe she was jealous of you. Maybe she was just a really difficult person. And I'm not picking on mothers, but I have seen in the course of working with clients for the last almost 20 years that there is, especially in women who are in their now 50s and older, there is a generation of women who had very difficult relationships with their mothers. This generation of women, again, who are now age 50 and and over, have had very traumatic relationships with their mothers jealous mothers, mothers who were emotionally unstable or mentally unstable, mothers who were truly abusive. And what that did is it created in them the desire, the need to heal the mother, to heal that energy within themselves by finding someone who was also traumatized by their mother So let's do the woman-man thing. So if you're the woman who was emotionally traumatized by your mother, you will choose a male or a partner who was also emotionally traumatized by their mother. And you'll do one of two things. You will try and mother them into healing, or you will want them to mother you into healing. Either way, the healing is part of an overall agenda. Somehow you want to avenge your experience. You want to fix your experience by being able to change someone, to transform them, to turn them into something that you wish that you had, to turn them into, for example, the partner that you wish you had, the mother that you wish you had, to get the love and validation and approval from them that you wanted from your own mother, which you didn't get. If you're feeling broken or victimized by any experience in your life, you're going to find someone who mirrors that energy. This is the soulmate energy. I hate to say it, but that's true. So you'll find a friend, a partner, a neighbor, a job situation or neighborhood or something that is broken or victimized in some way. And you will step in to do the healing work to try and fix it. One of the things that trauma does is it creates energy gaps. And you've heard me talk about energy gaps for many, many years because it makes us incomplete. So if I wasn't loved enough, if I didn't have enough approval, if I wasn't validated enough as a child or at some point in my life, there's a hole there. I'm missing that piece. And then I try and fill it up with other things, with from other people, with other relationships 
thinking that if I can fix that in somebody else, then I fixed it in myself. And the danger in approaching relationships like this is that, as you probably guessed, you're going to meet someone who's just like you. So because they're just like you, they don't have what you're looking for. But because we meet people who are energetically aligned with us, the truth is you aren't going to find someone who has more than you do unless you heal yourself first. And that is really the overall focus of this podcast is to help you understand healing cycles, energy gaps, trauma, and how that all fits together to compel us to choose partners from a healing perspective, or if we are going along the decision to take a different path route, it actually compels us into our own healing completion so that we don't try and fix ourselves or fix somebody else or try and fix ourselves through somebody else. We actually go, you know what? I am not choosing this kind of person anymore because I want to be whole. So I'm going to do the healing from the energetic perspective and do my own healing and do my own healing work. So how do you stop these healing cycles? Well, one very important thing to remember is that the healing cycles you have with others are part of your karmic cycles. They're part of your karmic path. So it's helpful sometimes when you get in that kind of situation. And yes, these are very compelling relationships. And yes, it's so compelling that you can't avoid the relationship. Just like when you meet that person and it's love at first sight, there's no way for you to not get involved with that person because it's so compelling. You have to be with that person. But you have to understand that the reason it's so compelling is because there's an energy gap there. There is unfinished business between the two of you. So at some point along the course of your lifetimes, and maybe it's repeated itself multiple times, the two of you have gotten together in various roles and something happened. There was a trauma, there was a disastrous event, there's maybe a sudden death or a departure or a betrayal or abandonment or something that stopped that relationship right there. So you come back together to fix it, to make it whole, to make it something that you feel good about. If they feel good about it, then that's okay, but that's up to them. You're really out for yourself here. And as selfless as you want to be and as open-hearted as you want to be, completing these healing cycles is really about healing you, making you feel better about your trauma. When you have this initial meeting, this connection, this overriding desire to be together, or you make a beeline for the person, you see them across the room and you think, oh, I want to talk to that person. Don't be surprised if it's someone that you have this karmic path with, because when you're looking for healing, you're going to find someone who's going to help you with the healing and you will ignore every other person around you for this particular person because they hold what you believe is your healing. What they really hold for you is the choice. And that's how you end healing cycles is you look at that person and you say, you know, I can get with you, we can get together, we can go around the karma wheel together, or I can say no. 
and I can go in a different path or take a different route. And I'm not underestimating the difficulty of that decision. It is not something that most people can do. It is not something that you can do without a great deal of inner work that you've already done. And having gone through this several times, for example, maybe you have a parent who was an alcoholic and alcoholics make good examples because there's this old adage, which is really true, children of alcoholics marry alcoholics. And why is that? Because there's a completion there. There's the need for healing. There's a need to avenge your trauma. When I was a young teenager, I had a great friend. We were absolutely best friends. I'll call her Katie. Katie used to come to my house all the time, but I never was invited to her house very often. I can only remember a few times that I went over to her house and never spent the night, although she did spend the night at my house quite a bit. But one thing I noticed when I would go to her house is it was always quiet and it was always dark in her house. And when her father was home, everybody was really quiet and they talked in whispers. Well, I found out much later from her that her father was an alcoholic, a rather violent alcoholic. So when he was home and he'd been drinking, everybody walked around on tiptoe for fear of upsetting her father and him going off on one of his alcoholic rages. I didn't know what an alcoholic was. I'd never been around an alcoholic. And we remained best friends for many years. So she decides to get married and I'm meeting this guy and I noticed he drank a lot, a lot. There was something about him that just didn't feel right to me. And I realized he was an alcoholic. So she's talking to me later and we're talking about him and what do you think? And I I love him and we're getting married. And I, and I looked at her and I said, do you really want to get involved with an alcoholic? Didn't you have enough of that with your father? And at first she started saying, oh, you know, I know he drinks a little bit, but that's okay. You know, he said he's going to change. He's going to quit drinking. I didn't have any experience with this. We're both in our early 20s. And I said, I have to be honest with you. There's something about him I don't like. And I'm afraid for you. I'm afraid you're going to find yourself in the same situation as your mother. Well, she got angry with me and didn't speak to me for a while. And then I get a phone call from her. And she said, I broke it off with the first guy. And I have met somebody else. And he doesn't drink. And I said, look, I'm sorry I hurt your feelings. And I'm sorry that I really tell you that I liked him when I didn't. And I was really worried about you. And she said, you know, I, I was at first I was very angry with you. And then I kept on hearing your voice in my head telling me he was an alcoholic and looking for the signs. And she said, after our conversation, the more I looked at him, I realized I was stepping into the same situation that I had at home. And one day I just woke up and realized I couldn't do that to myself. I did not want the life that my mother had that I had growing up. I didn't want a man in my life who drank constantly. If he wasn't asleep, he was drunk. She said it was hard to break up with him and I cried a lot, but I met somebody else. He doesn't drink. He's a totally different person. And she said, I have you to thank for that. Even if our experience is really terrible, the reason we connect with someone through these healing cycles is because we want to somehow to show ourselves, in this case, to show the parent 
that, hey, I can do this. I can handle this. And look, I can change this person. And you could have changed him too. In a way, we want revenge. But we're also trying to avenge our experience. Healing cycles are a battle between our emotions and our spirit. Always with healing cycle, the leading energy is your emotional energy. You have strong trauma going on. You have big emotions about this. And it's really hard to override those emotions, to look at the emotions at what they are and to say, well, I'm going to lead with my energy. What do I want energetically instead? I'm not underestimating, as I said before, how hard this is to do. You usually have to go through a couple of these healing cycles before you see the pattern and realize, oh, I've got a pattern here. I am really creating a lot of drama and trauma and misery for myself. I don't want to do that. And that usually happens after two, three, maybe four times, maybe more. One day you just realize, oh, look, there's a pattern and I am going through these healing cycles. I need to break the healing cycles. I need to break the pattern. Because healing cycles are an addiction and they are an addiction to trying to fix the past, trying to make the past something different than what it was, trying to make the present and the future a mirror of the past, but different. So the abusive parent doesn't become an abuser. The alcoholic parent stops drinking. They love us so much that they stop drinking just for us. Can you see what a healing cycle is? Can you see why they're so compelling? Why we want so badly for them to turn out differently? We have a lot of emotional energy invested in this. And yet, if we go the completion and closure route, we have to cut off the fire hose of emotional energy and tune into our spirit instead, tune into the kind of energy we want in our relationships. And the other thing I want to mention as an aside here is when you're in a healing cycle and you're in this kind of healing relationship, you're the giver. But you don't receive anything. And what do I always say about the person who gives all the energy in a relationship? They hold all the energy in the relationship. They control the energy of the relationship. So when you go into healing cycles and you choose people that you think need healing or that you think are going to help you with your own healing, what you're really saying is, I'm going to go into this relationship and I'm going to heal you and I'm going to control all the energy in the relationship so I create the kind of relationship that I want. I'm going to mold this relationship like you're molding clay and I'm going to create the relationship. So you literally hold the keys to the energy of the relationship. You hold it all. And there's a good reason for that. Again, you want to create this relationship. You want to have control in a situation where you previously had no control. So think of a traumatic relationship, an abusive, again, when you were a child or you couldn't protect yourself, you have no control over that situation. So now that you're an adult, you get into the situation and you think, great, I'm an adult. I have control. I'm going to choose someone who I think needs to be healed, who needs me. But then what you find out is you don't have any control at all. The healing cycles, as I said, are an addiction. It's a gamble. We take a risk, but we desperately need that healing. We need that 
energy gap closed. We need that hole in our heart filled, but we need it filled by someone who has the same energy as the person who created the hole. So we want them to fill the hole. We want them to change. We want them to give us now what we couldn't get before. And it has to be them because that gives us that completion or so we feel it closes the energy gap. But all it really does is, again, take us through that energy cycle again, that healing cycle one more time. And as you know, if you've been through these kind of relationships, they never turn out well. They never turn out to be what you want. It might last a month. It might last six months. It might last 10 years. Eventually, the relationship fizzles out. It falls under the weight of its own emotional burden and under the weight of the trauma and the unmet needs and the control or lack of control, the lack of reciprocity, because you don't receive anything from someone who has nothing to give you. So when you can get someone though to do that, or you think you can, you go into it with this idea you're going to, you feel vindicated. You feel they could have made a different choice. Look, I did this. Even if it's temporary, I got this. Vindication means fixing it for you. And sometimes there's revenge. Sometimes the revenge is, look, I healed this person. You could have done better or I could have gotten this from you. I know that. I'm victorious. So revenge means that you win. Not only did you survive, but you managed to fix someone or to heal someone or to change someone just like them. It's a power play. Call it a power trip. Here's the takeaway for you. And here's how to avoid these healing cycles. And I'm saying this while at the same time telling you this is hard to do. You have to maybe be on your third, fourth, or fifth one or more before you get tired of the tears. You get tired of the control. You get tired of the lack of stability. You get tired of trying to get that energy gap filled. And it just doesn't work. You get tired of being unfulfilled in a relationship or having a relationships that start and end in exactly the same way. But eventually, we do get to the point where we look at it and think, oh, there's a pattern. I see the pattern now. I'm ready for something different. So here are some questions you can ask. And you can ask them now, you can ask them later, but eventually you'll see the pattern and you'll see that I'm seeing different people, but they all have the same pattern. They all do the same thing or they all have the same trauma. They all have the same wound or they all have the same experience. What's the common denominator? Me. Oh, I need the healings. So here's some questions you can ask. Again, this is looking at these healing cycles in the context of a much longer relationship you have with this person. Maybe you've had a hundred lifetimes together and in every single one they abandon you or they betray you and all you want is some kind of closure with them, but not in the context of congruence and being whole in the context of fixing the past. And that is why you come together again and again and again. So the first question you can ask, and you really need to engage your intuition here outside of your emotions is, how many times have we done this before? And you'd be surprised 
And I teach past life reading in level two of my intuition program. But you'd be surprised if you ask the question that you will get an answer and you may see other lifetimes or you may become aware that, yes, we've done this before. Or you may even with this person have some moments of deja vu, like I've been here before. I've seen this before. I felt this before with you. So the second question is, what are you trying to accomplish? What do you want from this person? And this is only applicable to healing relationships. And believe me, you know a healing relationship. I know that you, you would when you're going into one because it's unbalanced. There's a neediness there. There's a desire to get something done rather than just being together. And generally the person, the other person has problems. They have issues. They drink. They do drugs. They have a, a criminal history or they have a history of failures. There's something wrong and you're attracted to them through their own wounding. So what are you trying to accomplish? And this is a tough question because at first you're going to say, oh, but we're in love. But there's that little voice inside of you that goes, well, there's something else here. So what are you trying to accomplish? And give that some thought. The third question is, what's your end goal? In a healing cycle or in a relationship that's built around a healing cycle, the end goal is the healing. It's not the relationship. Again, when you listen to your intuition, if you ask what's the end goal, you're going to get an answer and you're going to go, wait a minute, but what about the relationship? Because what you'll hear is the end goal is the healing. I want to feel better. I want to fix this. I want to fix me. I want to close the energy gap. It won't be about happily ever after in the relationship. And one of the things that I see in clients when I'm talking to them about relationships is what they don't say about their partner, what they don't mention about them, how much they love them, how much they enjoy being with them, how much they enjoy being their partner, being together with them. That never comes out. They talk about their problems. They talk about how they wish the person was different, but they never talk about the future. And sometimes they never even talk about the partner at all. The partner never comes up in the context of their coaching or an intuitive consult. And I'll think, well, that's interesting. I can see the partner, but there's either no connection to them or the connection is very faint. And they never mention the partner either in the context of their life, their future, their potential, or them being together at some point in the future. The next question is interesting. Who are we trying to heal? So who are you trying to heal? Are you trying to heal them? But are you really trying to heal you? Are you trying to make their life better? Are you trying to improve them? What exactly are you trying to heal? And who are you trying to heal? And again, these are hard questions, but if you ask and you listen for the answer from your spirit, from your intuition, it might be a different answer than you expect. The next question, what are we really trying to do? When you're in a relationship that's part of a healing cycle, what are you trying to do? Are you trying to heal them? Are you trying to fix them? Are you trying to fix you? Are you trying to vindicate your trauma? Are you trying to get some kind of closure with something in your own life? Are you trying to feel better about yourself? Because what you'll find is you'll come up with a lot of answers, 
And very rarely, if never, will the answer be, I want to be in a relationship with this person. Because the connection isn't about the relationship, it's about the healing. And that's why these healing relationships tend to be so top heavy, they tend to be so unbalanced, because the entire relationship is built around the healing. It is not built around, let's come together, let's have a relationship, let's grow together, let's expand our energy, let's explore new possibilities and potentials. The whole relationship is focused on the healing. And then the last question is, what happens next? When the healing has been accomplished, if that happens, then what happens? Because here's the problem with healing cycles and relationships or any situation. When I'm not talking about just a partnership, I'm talking about any relationship with any life situation that you have where there is healing as a focus. When the healing is complete, that relationship or that situation has lived up to its purpose. Its purpose is over. There is nothing beyond the healing unless you create something else. When you're in a healing cycle and you're in these karmic connections and you're working with this person and you're trying to heal them and you're trying to avenge yourself and you're maybe trying to get revenge and you're working on getting them changed and fixing behavior, that's your focus. The focus is not on extending the relationship because this is really about healing. It is not about the relationship. So when you ask the question, what happens next? There can be a big blank and there will be a big blank because that really wasn't a consideration. I see this a lot with clients. They come to me and they're having problems in a relationship and they've changed and the other person has not. And I have to, at some point, very often speak up on behalf of the partner of the other person and say, well, you know, because this is how you set up the relationship in the beginning, as far as they're concerned, you've changed the rules of engagement and now they don't know what to do. They didn't agree to those rules. They thought you were still operating under the old paradigm, which is true. Say you marry someone who's a safe bet. Maybe they're kind of boring. They're very stable. They're not wild and crazy. They don't give you any problems. Yeah, you love them, but you're not madly, wildly in love with them. And maybe 10, 20 years goes by, and then you think they're boring. They're not exciting. You want something different. You're ready to take some risks. You're ready to bust out and go do something. And they're not. And they're very unhappy and quite frustrated with these new needs you're imposing on them. Well, because for them, the relationship was initially about stability, security, sameness. And that's what you loved about them until you didn't love that anymore until it became tiresome. So they provided you with the security and the stability you needed. And then when you didn't need that anymore, you wanted something different. But that's not what they're in your life for. They're in your life to provide you with the stability and the security and the sameness and what now is monotonous but was dependable for you. So when you have these healing relationships, you come to the, okay, what happens next? Because if the person changes, 
say that does happen, now you've got another problem. Your whole focus has been about healing. They don't need healing anymore. So what are you going to do? Because as I've asked the question, then it always makes everyone pause whenever I ask this. What's your role in the relationship when you're not the healer? So either they change or maybe they get tired of you trying to change them and they leave. So now you have another choice. Do you get the same kind of relationship or do you step out and do something else? And it always comes back to that choice, doesn't it? What are you going to choose? Are you going to choose the path of healing, the path of going around that karma wheel one more time? Or are you going to choose something different? Going into the healing for wholeness model that I teach, which is giving yourself completion, which is knowing I've done all I can here, I'm done, and closure. I am willing and ready to close the door on this and not look back. No regrets, no do-overs, no repeats, no recycles, no reboots. I'm going to change the way I operate in relationships. I'm going to close my own energy gaps. And this is how you do it with completion and closure. And I'm going to choose a relationship from a whole me as opposed to a traumatized, wounded energy gap fractured me. Again, it's not an an easy choice. You may say, oh, but that's just a no-brainer. Of course I want to choose that. No, it's not a no-brainer. Healing cycles are an invitation to repeat karma or set out on a new path. And here's the thing about ending karma. It ends when you decide it's ended. There's no standard process there's no requirement there's no prerequisites you look and look at the situation and say you know I'm not doing this anymore and your karma your karma is done your part of it is done now what the other person decides to do is up to them but your part is finished you just aren't going to get the satisfaction the vindication the acknowledgement the approval that fulfillment that comes from knowing I did this yes I tried it and I succeeded and look and I got it done you have to be willing to say "Mm, I'm done and just walk away again it's not easy to do so it's a choice karma's an invitation to repeat or an invitation to release it's really up to you where you are on your healing path where you are in your journey and how much you want something different There's no way to heal, though, to not to be fixed, but to truly be healed, whole, congruent, that whole becoming 360 model that I teach that is congruent harmony, that divine flow of energy in your life that allows you to expand new potentials without choosing the path of being done with karma, giving yourself the healing, the completion, the closure, and walking the other way into the horizon of new potentials rather than going back around the karma wheel one more time. So the next time you meet someone and there's that instant connection, that instant attraction, or you meet them and you start talking and you go, oh, I've met this kind of person before then that was so unpleasant. Ask yourself the questions. How many times have we done this before? What are we trying to accomplish here? What am I trying to accomplish? What's the end goal for me? What is possible with this person? Am I trying to heal myself? Is this a healing opportunity or is it an opportunity for a congruent relationship that I approach from the point of being healed, whole, 
and congruent. And then is there a future? Is there a happily ever after? Can I see a future path in this relationship that doesn't involve healing, that doesn't involve any energy gaps? There's no trauma involved. There's no drama. There's no one that needs healing because that's the relationship. That's the path that shows you you're done with the healing and you're ready to step into powerful relationships where you can be empowered because the other person is empowered too where you don't have to be the healer because there's nothing to be healed completion and closure congruence that whole becoming 360 healed whole and congruent is the way to go but only when you're ready only when you can say to yourself with all the conviction you can muster, yes, I'm ready to let the karma go. No, going around the karma wheel one more time is not a path that even appeals to me at all. I'm ready for something different. And then you can explore a whole new dimension of relationships because it takes you out of the karma cycles, out of the healing cycles, and into relationships that are expansive, that are fulfilling, that are joyful and joy-filled. Thank you for joining me on this week's High Vibes Living Podcast, and I hope you'll learn something that tunes you into your high vibes and motivates, energizes, and inspires you and shines some light on your journey. Let's get started.